0: Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. Uh, My name is Rhys and this is going to be a chance to have a look back at all the very recent developments in the Labour leadership race. Uh, It's going to be sort of a compilation of the very recent uh, happenings within the Labour Party's election. So we're going to have a look at what happened in 2019, what each of the candidates represented, um, uh, who won what they put uh, their team together, what it looks like as they put their team together, and who's in their shadow cabinet. So, um, yeah, for the first time on a Megamix, it's, well, over to me. Um, So, without any further ado, let's have a look at what actually happened for Labour in 2019, um, they were destroyed. To put it as simply as possible, um, the Labour Party were absolutely obliterated in the general election of 2019. They won um, 203 seats. Uh, Although it's actually 202 because the Speaker, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, uh, although technically running under the Labour Party, just as John Bercow technically ran with the Conservatives, is an independent and doesn't take a seat. Um, So 202, making it their worst result since 1935. Even worse than in 1983. Um, The Labour Party lost the North. Uh, ...their heartlands went blue for the first time... Uh, ...for some it was the first time in a generation they'd gone blue... ...perhaps it was even longer... Um, ...some seats which hadn't been blue since the 50s or the 30s... ...or even some seats that just simply hadn't left the Labour Party... ...since the 50s or the 30s... Um, ...went to the Conservatives... ...veteran Labour MPs... ...Dennis Skinner... ...he lost his ballsover seat that he's held since 1970. He was in line to be the father of the House, so the most senior um, member of Parliament left in the House of Commons. He was in line to be it, except he lost his seat. Um, Scotland. Um, Labour have been been hit again in Scotland. You thought they couldn't... Uh, they couldn't be hit harder than they were in 2015. Well, this is nearly as bad. Um, it is their worst performance, as I said, since 1935, and that was when the party was nearly irrevocably split over the Great Depression. And in terms of uh, 2024, well, it looks like the Tories are going to win this election or the next election as well, because the size of this majority is not easy for any party to overturn in one go, let alone a Labour Party that has just come off the back of one of the worst kickings it's ever going to face. So off the back of 2019, the Labour Party had uh, a lot of soul-searching to do. Do they stick with Corbynism without Corbyn? Does the Corbynite wing still control the party? The blame game began immediately. Um, Corbyn looked defeated on uh, election night. He couldn't have gone again, even if he wanted to. Um, But hey, uh, where did it all go wrong in 2019? That's what actually happened. But um, where did it all go wrong? Um, Well... If you ask Jeremy Corbyn, it's essentially Brexit. Um, when he gave his acceptance speech in uh, two uh, not two thousand nineteen in his Islington North constituency, he essentially got up and said, "I will not lead the Labour Party into the next general election." But it's not my fault we lost. And of course, why would he? He's the leader of a, a movement that grew and grew and grew, and he still maintains, right to this day, that he won the argument. Um, Whether or not he did, well, he lost the election, so it's hard to see how he won the argument, Um, but you could say that a number of these Labour or Labour-style policies are now being implemented, albeit under very different circumstances to how um, Jeremy Corbyn would have liked to have seen them implemented. Um, This is um, a bit of a a problem, because yes, many people do blame Brexit for the position that the Labour Party found themselves in. They blame people like the the Keir Starmer wing of the party. Um, The Keir Starmer wing of the party, of course, who were calling for a second referendum, who were calling for Labour's position on that referendum to be Remain. Uh, effectively, they were calling for Labour to be a Remain party, um, just like the Liberal Democrats. And um, well, we all know just how catastrophically the 2019, um, the 2019 election was for the Liberal Democrats. Of course, the, they lost their leader, uh, they halved the MPs. They were uh, they were absolutely crushed onto 11. Um, It is hard to say whether Brexit was the only cause. Um, It was certainly a key cause. It was a major, major issue of the day. Um, Brexit was undeniably a factor in the general election. But I think that anybody who blames an entire election off of one policy uh, an entire election result off of just one factor has fundamentally misunderstood uh, the actual election that was that was going on uh, so yes brexit definitely played some part um, you could actually argue however that Keir Starmer dragging the party towards the Remain area, or his his supporters, people around him, maybe people like Tom Watson, Uh, more about him when we discuss the deputy leadership. Um, People like that actually nullified the Lib Dem threat uh, rather than creating a bad image for the Labour Party. You could have said that without the Labour Party dragging itself further towards the Remain camp, then the Liberal Democrats would just have eaten into their vote share, and you could have seen an even worse result. Of course, these are hypotheticals we will never know. Um, Brexit, however, has been widely blamed as a reason for why the Labour Party uh, was destroyed in 2019. Um, Another reason, Jeremy Corbyn's leadership. On the ITV election night programme, a particularly scathing comment was made about Jeremy Corbyn's leadership uh, by the former Labour Home Secretary, Alan Johnson. He said, Jeremy Corbyn couldn't lead the working class out of a paper bag. Um, When The majority of the Labour Party's support has typically come from the working class. That is a sad indictment of a Labour leader, especially one who has been so um, anti-anti-establishment figure, um, sticking up for or perceived to be sticking up for the working classes his entire life. To say that Jeremy Corbyn couldn't lead the Labour Party or the working classes rather out of a paper bag, uh, effectively says he had no chance whatsoever of winning that election. And of course, maybe that's what Alan Johnson meant. Um, but Jeremy Cormer's leadership has become um, sort of a critical point around the Labour Party. He did very well in 2017. He was seen to be a much better leader than most of the Labour Party were um, allowing themselves to admit, uh, especially the Parliamentary Labour Party or allow themselves to admit he was before 2017 in that election, where he outdid all that was expected of him and didn't go down to a, a humbling defeat against Theresa May, was seen to be proof of his good leadership. Um, well, we've seen the result of Jeremy Corbyn against a uh, far more experienced and far uh, more charismatic campaigner, whether you like him or not, Um, that that statement about Boris Johnson cannot be denied uh, when compared to Theresa May, uh, and we've seen the results. So does Jeremy Corbyn's leadership come into it? Well, yes and no. Um, Yes, in that it was clearly no match for whatever Boris Johnson was doing to the Conservative Party, Uh, He just couldn't get the same energy behind the 2019 campaign he was able to get behind the 2017 campaign. Maybe that was because of who he was against. Maybe that was because of the very particular set of circumstances. Uh, But whatever it is, um, it was a factor. Uh, And you could also argue, no, well, the leadership were undermined, you could say. Uh, Various Labour MPs, uh, the former Labour MP Ian Austin, spoke out against leadership. Um, various MPs left the Labour Party for various reasons. Um, You could say they were undermining the leadership, and there were, of course, calls that Tom Watson, the deputy leader, was actually undermining Jeremy Corbyn's position as leader. So there are various arguments on both sides. One um, key element that uh, drove people away from the Labour Party, whether it was... um, Exaggerated or underestimated, Uh, I've seen reports of both from uh, various news sources, uh, are the accusations of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. Now, those people who support Jeremy Corbyn would say that this was um, a conflagration between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, that Jeremy Corbyn is not an anti-Semite, and that Whilst there may be issues of anti Semitism within the Labour Party, none of it can be traced back uh, to Jeremy Corbyn. Um those opposed, uh, those who believe who uh, those who believe Jeremy Corbyn um was complacent or negligent in his handling of anti Semitism would say that even if Corbyn himself is not an anti Semite, um he has actually on balance probably shown himself in fact definitely shown himself to be uh, an anti-racist, um, and as anti-Semitism is a form of racism, uh, he would be um, against any form of anti-Semitism. Um, but because he and his leadership did not act swiftly enough in, um, in combating these allegations of anti-Semitism, in driving them out of the Labour Party, and in keeping the Labour Party free of anti-Semitism, then by that complacency, by that negligence, he allowed himself to fall in to um, anti-semitism by the back door, Um, whichever way it came about, it hurt the campaign. It really did. Um, It definitively hurt that campaign, and without it we could be looking at a very different uh, picture. Whether it was more significant than Brexit and Corbyn's overall leadership, again, the joys of politics, we will never know. One final point I'm just going to raise about why 2019 happened. I'm going to try and keep each of these segments to about 15 minutes, which is why I'm slightly hurrying. Um, But one final reason why the 2019 result went the way it did. Um, The North had been slowly drifting away from the Labour Party uh, for quite a while, or was it that the Labour Party had been drifting away from the North? Whenever a party has a heartland, um, the Tories in South East England, uh, the Liberal Democrats in sort of South West England, if they have a heartland anymore, um, the Labour Party and the North of England, um, it tends to be that that party begins to become complacent around that heartland. And the Labour Party were certainly complacent about the North of England in the 2019 general election. They just assumed that Places like Blythe Valley, um Over, all of those uh, northern towns, um, Working a Man, um, the typical northern voter. The Labour Party assumed that no matter what the Tories gave them, they would be Labour voters at the end of the day. Boy, were they wrong. Um, the Labour Party allowed itself again to be painted as... This group of, of London centric politicians. It didn't help the fact that uh, the Cabinet, uh, made up of the high profile members of the Cabinet, um, you have Jeremy Corbyn, Islington North, Emily Thornbury, Shadow Foreign Secretary, Islington South and in Finsbury, Diane Abbott, Home, Shadow Home Secretary, Hackney, um, was it uh, Sakia Starmer? I think it's Pobon St Pancras. Um it's a it's a very London club and they are so far removed from their heartlands that it is not feasible for them to maintain contact without some sort of special effort. Um and they didn't make it. They never they've never made it uh, really ever since the the new labor wave they've just expected it to be there and Right when they needed it, of course, it it ran out because they left it alone for too long. Um, this is the point that people like um, Lisa Nandy were making. Uh, Lisa Nandy, uh, of course, running to be the Labour leader, saying that the North was fundamentally unrecognised by the Labour Party for the last several years, and this is the election result. Well, you could have seen it coming if you'd been looking at how the Labour Party were treating its heartlands. Um, add into that uh, what was... Seen to be, or at least accused to be, as a dismissive, um, dismissive attitude around voters who may have been perceived as stupid. Several uh, accusations labelled that the Shadow Foreign Secretary, Emily Thornberry, or voters they felt they didn't have to win over, uh, many of whom were situated in the Midlands, in the north of England, in Labour heartlands they just thought would go their way, um, even if they had voted leave, um, uh, and the party's position on Brexit was slightly muddled, even by some people's own admission at the top table, Um, they allowed the situation to get out of hand, and it cost them the election. I don't think that's any exaggeration to say. Um, By dismissing the North, by focusing far too much on defeating the Liberal Democrats in Remain areas, when they should have been focusing on trying to beat the Tories in Leave areas, um, the Labour Party election strategy and their complacency around their heartlands cost them this election. So we're going to move on to now having a look at the candidates for the Labour leadership and the candidates for the deputy leadership and what various combinations um what various combinations of those would make. Uh, Because obviously the announcement's going to be, probably when I put this out, going to be tomorrow or actually today. Uh, It'll either be, uh, I'll be putting this out on the 3rd or the 4th, so we'll find out then. Um, The announcement is on the 4th. So, the contest has gone on for three months. In many people's opinions, it has gone on far Far too long. Um, A particularly snide comment from Frankie Boyle uh, The Labour Party leadership contest has gone on so long that the bleeping world has ended in it. Um, Summing up some people's viewpoints, there um, it has gone on. I don't think many people can remember who was even in it at the start because we had Clive Lewis. Um, uh, Jess Phillips uh, and Emily Thornberry, they've all dropped out leaving the three remaining candidates for the leadership Keir Starmer, Lisa Nandy and Rebecca Long Bailey Uh, Keir Starmer is as of now, the favourite speaking just after voting closes on the 2nd of April Uh, Keir Starmer is the favourite to be elected in this ballot, Um, all Uh, party members get a voice uh, in this ballot, all trade union members who are affiliated to the Labour Party get a ballot, and there are also affiliate groups uh, who uh, their members get a vote as well, and some supporters also get a vote. Um, Keir Starmer, the former Director of Public Prosecutions, he is the Member of Parliament for Hoban and St Pancras. Uh, He became a Member of Parliament in 2015. Uh, He was uh, the shadow Brexit Secretary. He's 57, uh, and he received more nominations from affiliated groups and constituency parties than any other candidate, and he also uh, won the nominations of more MPs and MEPs than all of the other candidates. I'll um, we'll go into some more detail on him in just a bit. Um, on top of that, we have Lisa Nandy, who's a 40-year-old Wigan MP. Uh, she was actually the second candidate to qualify for the members' ballot. Um, she was backed by the GMB Union, the National Union of Mine Workers, and the Jewish Labour Movement, which could be pivotal in any sort of future role she gets, should she not win, and of course could prove to be uh, a tipping point in actually her winning this uh, election. Um, and she also, I believe, was the second most supported candidate in terms of constituency Labour Party branches. Um she was previously in the charity sector and entered politics in 2010 before being part of a shadow cabinet rebellion in 2016, leaving Jeremy Corbyn's front bench after Brexit. Um, rounding off the trio of candidates, we have Rebecca Long-Bailey, the 40-year-old shadow business secretary. She was the last candidate to secure her place on the members' ballots. Um, She got seven affiliates and unions supporting her and 160 constituency Labour parties. Um, She was actually the second uh, highest supported um, candidate from MPs and MEPs, winning 33 backings from them. Um, Crucially, potentially, she was supported by the trade union Unite, who were uh, the biggest donor to the Labour party at the 2019 general election. Um, she is a left-wing MP, and she was part of Jeremy Corbyn's inner circle, representing Labour on one of the TV debates before the two thousand and nineteen general election. She actually went up against the then Chancellor um, Rishi, or oh, not so the now Chancellor. Then he was, I believe, Chief Secretary to the Treasury, uh, Rishi Sunak, on one of those TV debates. Um, There is also a deputy leadership race running. Uh, I'm just going to quickly run through the candidates before going back to do a slightly more detailed look at the leadership candidates. Um, That post has been vacant since Tom Watson stood down at the election. He stood down from the role and as an MP. Um, It's up for grabs for... There are now five contenders who are on to the list. Angela Rayner, the Shadow Education Secretary, the Shadow Justice Secretary, Richard Bergen the shadow equalities minister Dawn Butler um Scotland's last Labour MP um, Ian Murray and Dr and Member of Parliament for Tooting Racina Allen Khan um again I will go back over and uh preview all of the leaders and deputies in slightly more detail in just a second uh, I want to start with the leadership candidates um so Kier Starmer Uh, He was a supporter of remaining in the European Union, um, which critics will say uh, that he is damaged because of it. Critics accuse him of pushing Labour towards its position for the 2019 general election on um, renegotiate and then have a referendum, uh, which some people will argue, as I said in the first part of this podcast, is the reason... That Labour lost that election. Um, those people who supported him, however, they would say, "Well, he was sticking up for what he believed in. Why should someone be punished for that?" So, as I said, um, he won his seat, Hoban and Saint Pancras, uh, in 2015. He has a very strong majority, 17,000, uh, or he did in 2015. Um, in the 2015 leadership election which of course Jeremy Corbyn swept power in uh, he supported the now mayor of greater manchester andy burnham to become labor party leader um, and was actually appointed as a shadow home office minister in 2016 um sorry uh, in 2015 but in 2016 uh, along with actually lisa nandy he quit his role uh, joining another number of front bench ministers resigning in protest i believe after the brexit referendum um he was rehired to the shadow cabinet as shadow brexit secretary uh, arguments about the eu have really uh, dogged his time in parliament ever since then uh, he did back remain and uh, he focused his efforts on pushing for a more transparent government process uh, around the entire campaign um he says that he won Uh, and one of his fights against Theresa May to make her Brexit plans public before she started negotiations, and in fact, he did win that, and uh, he set out Labour's so-called six tests for an acceptable deal. Um, None of those tests, I believe, were met. Um, Some believe that he was the driving force behind that change in policy towards renegotiating a referendum. Uh, Others will say, well, it was a, a leadership decision, it was not just him. Um, he now however accepts that the UK uh, would leave the U- EU on the 31st of January, he said that after the election, uh, and of course the UK has now left the European Union. Uh, he says on that point he will campaign for a close trade deal with the EU, uh, with protections for workers' rights to environment, consumer standards and jobs. Um, his pitch for leader? well, he said, we cannot bury our head in the sand, that we, talking about the Labour Party, of course. Um, He does not want to, and I quote from him, "trash the last four years," uh, and he doesn't also want to trash the last Labour government. Of course, he's trying to really stand as the first, uh, as as the largest unifying uh, candidate on the ballot paper. Um, Although being in that leadership, he is of course tainted by this historic defeat for the Labour Party. Um, Perhaps with his critical, uh, his pivotal position in that leadership group, perhaps he is tainted more than most. We'll have to see. What comes out? Um, Rebecca Long Bailey, uh, again, a little bit of information on her, uh, but she is the MP for Salford and Eccles and the Shadow uh, Business and Industrial Strategy Secretary. Um, she was first elected in the 2015 general election. Uh, she was actually selected off an all-woman shortlist and won the backing of the Union Unite um, just before. Um, just before she won that seat, she was one of the 36 members of parliament to nominate Jeremy Corbyn for leadership in 2015. And after he won, she was made a shadow treasury minister. Uh, she's worked very closely with John McDonnell in the past, often seen as a key ally around the cabinet table. Um, and in 2016, she was made shadow chief secretary to the treasury before being promoted to shadow business secretary in 2017. Um, she has won large majorities in her seat at Uh, all of the elections she has been involved in. Um, She was the last candidate to declare, to enter the race, to replace Jeremy Corbyn. Um, Very strongly left-wing in terms of her relation to the rest of the field. Um, Proud socialist. She says Labour needs a socialist leader who can work with our movement, rebuild our communities and fight for the policies we believe in. Um, She's backed by the Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell and Deputy Leadership Candidate uh, Angela Rayner um, actually, Recklong along shares a flat with Angela Rayner. Uh, she's very supportive of Jeremy Corbyn. She was asked um, to rate his leadership in an interview with ITV. She gave him 10 out of 10. Some will say, well, how can you give a leader who lost the election 10 out of 10? Uh, what would you give a leader who won the election if uh, if a losing leader, in fact, a leader who took the party to the worst uh, election results since the 1930s, how can you give them 10 out of 10? other um, people say, well, she is staying loyal to her party leader. Um, Labour has got, in her words, a mountain to climb to get back into power, but she says that Labour's defeat was due to a failure of campaign strategy and a lack of a coherent narrative, to quote from her, uh, rather than a rejection of the policies. Um, she said there would no, not be any return to a, quote, tory light agenda, um, I think probably taking a, a stab at the Blair years there, um, if she were to become into power. And on Brexit, Rebecca Long-Bailey again taking a, a swipe sort of at Keir Starmer here saying that Labour should have focused on getting a good deal rather than arguing for another referendum. Again, very much tainted, as is Keir Starmer, by the record of the Jeremy Corbyn leadership. She was at that top table throughout all those allegations of anti-Semitism. They will be levelled at her. As well, She was at the top table, she was in those discussions, she had the opportunity to voice those concerns and get her point across. She could have resigned if she felt uh, things were not up to it. Of course the same goes exactly for Keir Starmer. Um, All of the transgressions, if you like, uh, if you see it that way, or the the missteps of the previous Labour administration or the previous um, Labour leadership are, as you like, on them as well. Because they were in the room where all these decisions were going on. The final candidate, if you like, the outsider candidate, um, she is Lisa Nandy. Um, Lisa Nandy entered Parliament in 2010 after being selected for the Wigan constituency. The Labour Party has held that seat for well over 100 years. She was the area's first female and first Asian Member of Parliament uh, winning the seat with a majority of over 10,000 um, before she went into parliament she actually worked for the Children's Society a national charity focused on helping young vulnerable people And um, from 2006-2010 to she's been a councillor so if you like she has um, the longest political experience or longest political life of those um, of well of the candidates standing uh, Keir Starmer of course joining in 2015 likewise with Rebecca Long-Bailey um, she was motivated to become an MP after going to a Conservative Party conference. Uh, she told Politics Home in an interview, and um, said everyone was sure the Conservatives were going to win, uh, and she thought, well, somebody has got to do something about this. Um, and then she stood for the Wigan seat. Um, she sat on the opposition front bench during Ed Miliband's time as leader of the Labour Party. She was shadow education minister, or sorry, a shadow education minister, and um, supported Andy Burnham in the 2015 Labour leadership race. Um, she initially stayed in the Shadow Cabinet as energy spokeswoman under Jeremy Corbyn, but as I said, um, she became one of the a large group of Shadow Cabinet ministers to resign in protest at his leadership. Um, she said that Mr Corbyn was, quote, unable to form a broad, inclusive Shadow Cabinet, drawing on the best of our movement's left and right traditions. Um, she actually went a step further than most people. She actually called for Tom Watson, the then deputy leader, to take over as caretaker leader f- of the party. In Brexit terms, she supported the Remain side in the 2016 referendum but was staunchly, a, uh, staunchly opposed to another referendum or a revocation of the Brexit process. Um, in 2019, she said she would consider voting for Theresa May's deal if given assurances on workers' rights, but uh, she had a meeting with Theresa May and said she had not heard anything like enough to support the Prime Minister. Um, when Boris Johnson brought his bill back, she voted for it uh, for his bill at the second reading arguing details needed to be debated, um, but also said um, uh, voted against the timetable motion, saying that that debate had to happen over a longer period of time. Um, after the December election, she voted against the bill objecting to changes made um, after the election campaign that had been made in regards to workers' rights, to the environment and consumer protection. Her pitch to the leader of the party, um, well she said Labour needed to win back the trust of voters in former Labour strongholds like Workington, Wrexham, win back the Heartlands. She said she saw this defeat coming if you just looked at the Heartlands. She said Labor has ignored their Heartlands. Um, that's a strategy many people would say what really cost them the election. Uh, as an outsider candidate she is much less tainted by the um by well by the actions of the last Labour leadership, but she is also far less well known although I guess she has got five years to try and make a name for herself, or sorry, four years now, really, Um, should she be elected leader of the opposition, because the next election won't be until 2024. Right, those are the leadership candidates done. Uh, It's time to have a quick look at the deputy leadership candidates, and this podcast is definitely going to run over time. Sorry about that, guys. Um, That's a lot to fit in. This post is critical, really. Um, The leadership and, uh, well, the leader and the deputy leader, they work in tandem. Um, so much was made about Tom Watson's uh, election as deputy leader in 2015. Um, he was a strong, experienced campaigner. He'd been at the, the top levels of government for um, for a while. He'd been uh, quite experienced in the Labour Party, uh, Good, known as a good political mover. Um, he was seen as a good counterbalance to Jeremy Corbyn's uh, socialism as well. He was sort of towards the right of the party. Um, so you can work in partnership. You can either... Uh, both be from the same wing of the party and drag the party off into one direction kicking and screaming no matter what the other side say um, or there's also the option to balance out the party so if uh, a left winger won the leadership election um, you could have a more Blairite candidate uh, who has potentially more of a chance winning the depth leadership or vice versa um, of course if they are different then they can of course prove to have power differences if you split the base of power you can often find a party splitting as well, which was a worry with Jeremy Corbyn and Tom Watson towards the end of their tenure as deputy leader uh, and leader of the Labour Party. So, those um, candidates again Angela Rayner, um, very, um, very close relationship with Rebecca Long Bailey, a flatmate and friend. That I believe they were at university together. She was a care worker and an official for the Unison Union before becoming a member of parliament. Um, She has the backing of about seven unions and affiliate groups. She's got Unison, the union of shop, distributive, and allied workers, or USDOR, and uh, GMB. Um, She looks like quite a strong candidate and is the bookie's favourite. Richard Bergen, at the moment the Shadow Justice Secretary, a supporter of Jeremy Corbyn. Um, Again, very much on the left-wing side of the party. He's pledged to continue the current policy agenda. Uh, He's got the backing of, as well, several unions. Um... Dawn Butler, the Shadow Equalities Minister, um, has only one affiliate nomination but uh... won the backing of a lot of local branches. Uh, she is um, fairly central within the party, probably leaning slightly off towards the left as well. So um, let's be honest, we're not particularly expecting Dawn Butler to win the deputy leadership. If she does, it will be a turn up for the books. But she is still running a strong campaign and we cannot count her out. She has good support amongst um local constituency parties and they could turn out for horses, no, uh, turn out for her. Um she is fairly good at representing the government when they come onto media platforms. and uh, she's got a decent image as well throughout the nation. Um Ian Murray, the lone Scottish Labour MP now, um very very few affiliate nominations. Um he gained a lot of support across local branches. He's a sort of a, a Blairite mould, he's very much towards the right of the party. As it looks like Keir Starmer being the uh, the uh, well, heir apparent for the leadership of the party, he doesn't look like he's in much of a chance, they don't want to pick two Blairites, don't want to see him as jumping back to the right and trashing the last four years of Jeremy Corbyn's, gov- uh, Jeremy Corbyn's opposition administration, I should say. Uh, definitely did not form a government, Mr Corbyn, um, so it's not looking particularly likely for him to become leader either, but we will have to wait and see on that one. And Dr. Rasina Allen-Khan, um, uh, she's a backbench member of Parliament, a member for Tooting. Um, again, we're not particularly expecting her to win the nomination, but if she does, it'll be well-deserved. Again, um, she always comes across fairly well in her interviews. Uh, she does particularly well on, on Newsnight, things like that. And of course, in this latest time of uh, coronavirus, she's actually been appearing a little bit more as a spokesperson for the Labour Party, as she is still a practising medical doctor. Um, a couple of the pairings you could look out for. Um, at the moment, the favourite is Keir Starmer for leader, Angela Rayner for deputy leader. That would be a good balance, Miss Rayner. Um, slightly more left of the party, uh, Mr Starmer slightly to the right of the party. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are worried that if we see two hardline socialist candidates, I think the um, people were thinking of a Richard Bergen and Rebecca Long-Bailey, uh, deputy leader and leader respectively, a ticket such as that would see many of the maybe the Blairite members uh, drifting away from the party. They think the party wouldn't be learning, so it's um, interesting to see what will actually happen um, on the fourth of April. Um, yes, so those are all of the candidates for leader and for deputy leader. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Politics Unboxed Podcast. My name is Reese and today we're going to be having a look at the victors in the Labour leadership election. That is Keir Starmer who has won the role as leader of the party and therefore leader of the opposition and Angela Rayner who won the deputy leadership battle and we're going to be having a look at what that means for the party and uh, also having a look at the shadow cabinet team which has just been appointed. Uh, I've got most of the appointments through now, various uh, media sources for that, um, and yeah, we'll be having a look and seeing what that means for the direction of travel for the Labour Party, how that might affect the next four years, how that might affect the next four weeks, four months, really, um, as this this crisis takes hold in the United Kingdom and we'll have to see what the Labour Party's response to that is. Um, but first, of course, Let's have a look back and see what actually happened. Uh, it's yesterday now, at quarter to eleven. It was meant to be uh, immediately then, but it, the email was actually delayed. Uh, the website crashed. The Labour Party website crashed because, of course, no in in-person conference. It was actually all done over over email and their website. But uh, just after 10:45 on Saturday, the 4th of April, Keir Starmer was announced as the new leader of the Labour Party he won on the first ballot he got 56.2% of the vote um, which means he won without it leading to go to any further rounds of voting which it might have happened um, had he had he not made it on the first ballot we're not actually completely sure how that would have worked because often uh, contenders could could withdraw and stand aside if they were Really, down and out in terms of uh, in terms of the vote numbers, but um, no. Luckily for Sir Keir, uh, there was well, there was no need for it. He won with fifty six point two percent of the vote. Um, in terms of the deputy leadership election, well, Angela Rayner is the new deputy leader of the Labour Party. Um, she won on the third round of voting. Um, she was able to eventually get 52.6% of the vote um, after getting, I think, 41% and about 44% in the previous two rounds. Um, but anyway, Angela Rayner making it through to become the new deputy leader of the uh, of the party. Um, and that is going to be a change from from what's been going on over the last for five years with Jeremy Corbyn. Um, this is definitely a different leadership team, Angela Rayner closer to Corbyn probably, in terms of ideologies, but again, we're yet to see where this leadership team actually takes labor. Certainly it is a step to the right from the previous team. Um, Jeremy Corbyn obviously is leader, people like John McDonnell as Chancellor, or Shadow Chancellor, I should say, of the Exchequer. Um, This is going to take the party in a different direction, back towards the Blair mould of new Labour. Probably not as far. Uh, We really don't know too much about where Keir Starmer actually sits on any uh, conventional left-right spectrum. We know he's probably to the right. In fact, we know he's almost certainly to the right of Jeremy Corbyn, but is he to the left of Blair? How far to the left of Blair? Um, We are not quite sure. That will all be Uh, well, will be to be revealed over the next couple of years as Keir Starmer gets around to putting his team together and putting on a fight to what he would hope to do is to take down Boris Johnson at the next election or um, whoever the leader of the Conservatives is there. It's not inconceivable that they could oust the Prime Minister. We've seen them do it to leaders before. Um, But anyway, the Labour Party... Is probably going to now try and forge some sort of synthesis between the very popular Corbyn agenda in some areas. Um, very good at mobilising students and the young and uh, the young voters. So they will not want to lose all of that headway gain. They'll just have to try and find out which policies were really hanging, uh, keeping them in the party. Um, was it tuition fees? Was it nationalisation? Um, depends, and whatever it is, they will probably try and find that and stick with it Uh, but they will also now want to try and become a slightly more catch-all party shifting back towards the centre in an effort to try and reclaim some of that centre ground eat into uh, the Lib Dem centre ground support because even though they only got uh, 11 seats they still polled better than they have done for the last two elections and that definitely ate into the Labour support in some areas so by shifting back towards the centre the Labour team will now hope to reclaim some of that and hopefully tip them over the edge in a few more of the key seats into Labour victories in 2024 and they will also try and eat into um, those that percentage of voters who maybe are Labour inclined but just felt that the Conservatives were their natural home in 2019 for that very peculiar set of circumstances which put the general election, um, well, which set the general election into motion and indeed almost predestined its outcome so we'll have to see what Keir Starmer and his team want to do with Labour policy over the next as I say few weeks few months few years the first job for Keir Starmer was however to appoint a new shadow cabinet team Um, we know that obviously Jeremy Corbyn is going Uh, he stood down he stood down as leader We also know John McDonnell is leaving the Cabinet. Uh, He said he would not serve in any future Shadow Cabinets. Uh, He was, of course, Shadow Chancellor, a key ally of Jeremy Corbyn, very much a socialist within the Labour Party, Um, on the left wing of the Labour Party. Most people see him as steering a lot of the policy in that area, uh, very vocal in Treasury policy, of course, as Shadow Chancellor, um, and a big part of the, the party's left wing image. He is gone. Uh, also gone, Diane Abbott, another key ally of Jeremy Corbyn. She was Shadow Home Secretary. Um, we didn't tend to hear too much from her. Um, she always got a bit of a pasting from the media whenever she got out, and she was seen to be potentially an easy target for the Conservatives to attack. But uh, very much another ally of Jeremy Corbyn, and uh, in her own way a very useful member of the Shadow Cabinet team. Um, now let's have a look and see at who has been appointed, and the uh, the biggest appointment so far. Obviously, it's not completely finalised on the shadow cabinet team yet. But right now, the biggest appointment is Lisa Nandy, who has been made shadow foreign secretary. Lisa Nandy, of course, came third in the Labour Party leadership race. Um, she was one of Keir Starmer's tougher opponents, I guess. Sort of very much in his area of the party, pulling right of Jeremy Corbyn and left of Tony Blair um, and she was seen as a pragmatic Remainer who then obviously did not support second referendums um, often quite critical of the Labour leadership at times um, on issues like anti-Semitism and issues uh, around Brexit Uh, she is now in the cabinet at the top table um, getting one of the big jobs shadow foreign secretary she will get a chance to put questions directly to Dominic Raab, which will probably be an opportunity she will relish. She's also quite good at posing those questions. She's always got a quite a good combative style in the House. Um, She can also bring her set of supporters in to join up with Keir Starmer, uh, hopefully to to unify the party as he will see it. Um, They would have been quite ideologically close to Keir Starmer anyway, uh, the only real main, main differences being on some of the, the Brexit policy and also on, um, on the various positions throughout their, their time when obviously Lisa Nandy was on the back benches and Keir Starmer was on the front benches, potentially some people seeing Nandy as less tainted by the Corbyn administration than Starmer. But anyway, um, her supporters will probably now just be flocking around uh, Keir Starmer. To the position of Shadow Home Secretary uh, is Nick Thomas-Simmons. This is an opportunity for Mr Thomas-Simmons. He's not a particularly well-known MP with the general public. Again, uh, he has a a good record of following the Labour whip. Um, He will now be getting the chance to pose questions to Priti Patel, who's been under all sorts of criticism and is likely he will be able to do a more successful job of this than Diane Abbott. There's been a reason we haven't seen too much from Diane Abbott over the past few weeks, uh, months, um, which is because even though she has been a useful part of Jeremy Corbyn's top team, she would be seen most likely in a negative light if she came out and started to criticise Pretty Patel, uh, she is often, um, somewhat unfairly on, on, on many counts, seen as uh, some sort of li- liability, and if she was coming out and criticising Pretty Patel for her handling of various situations, it would seem a little bit like an attack dog with, with no teeth if everyone could turn around and uh, say, well, it's, it is Diane Abbott asking the questions. Um, like I said, uh, not particularly sure that she deserves that moniker, But it has been something that has been given to her over the last few years of her being Shadow Home Secretary. A number of high-profile missteps, um, very high-profile missteps, which have done a lot to damage her public image. So this is an opportunity for the new Shadow Home Secretary, as I said, Nick Thomas-Simmons. He will now focus on the coronavirus, trying to work constructively with government, he said in his tweet, but also asking the difficult questions needed. That is key. He has a, a fresh chance to try and uh try and put those questions to the government and especially to Pretty Patel, the Shadow Home Secretary. As Shadow Chancellor replacing, as I said, John MacDonald, we now see Annalise Dodds. Um Annalise Dodds, you may have heard of her, she was on uh well in part of the, the Brexit bill there was um a Dodds amendment uh, it was to do to do with uh, second referendums and the like. Uh, she has been a, a close ally of Keir Starmer, one of the early Labour MPs to to back him. Uh, many people didn't see see this one coming, but Annalise Dawes is probably quite a a safe choice, part of the the centrist wing of the Labour Party. Um, she won't, I don't think, be putting forward too much of the John McDonnell, um socialist economic policy. Uh, very much more like uh, Blair's new Labour policy rather than any, well, rather than any of this Corbynites or oh, macdonald style socialism. But Annalise Dodds now getting the chance to pose these questions to Rishi Sunak, as she will be his opposite number. Um, also getting important jobs, uh, Angela Rayner, the deputy leader, she's going to become the chair of the Labour Party, previously held position uh, by Ian Lavery, a key Corbyn ally. Um, what we we also see now, uh, Rachel Reeves, um, she's been appointed the Shadow Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster. Uh, that will be mirroring Michael Gove's role. Um, Michael Gove has taken on a lot of responsibility in this new government role. He's Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, he's Minister for the Cabinet Office, um, Rachel Reeves's chance again to go toe to toe to shadow him and his department will be probably quite good. She'll bring a fresh pair of eyes again. She's not particularly well known outside the Westminster media ring and people who study politics. Um, another chance to bring new characters onto the scene for the Labour Party as they really try and rebrand their image before twenty twenty four, try and shake off the well the generational defeat that was. Uh, the two thousand nineteen general election as it's been uh, quite rightly analyzed the worst defeat for Labour since the nineteen thirties. Um as we now look through some of the well, some of the lesser appointments, um we have a couple more sackings. Barry Gardner, another Corbyn ally, he was international trade secretary. Um he appeared in the spin room on a number of election, uh, well, election shows, one of the the head-to-head debates. I remember he was there with, with Dominic Raab. Um, he was, again, quite a close ally of Jeremy Corbyn. It's no real surprise to see the members of Corbyn's top team all sort of falling one by one. One person who we don't think will be going, uh, Emily Thornberry, although she will definitely not be keeping her job as, uh, well, as Shadow Foreign Secretary. Uh, We know she's getting a job in the Shadow Cabinet. We don't quite know which one yet. Um, Also, definitely, or we think definitely, getting a job in this Shadow Cabinet, Rebecca Long Bailey. Um, Again, key ally of Jeremy Corbyn and one of Keir Starmer's Rivals for the leadership, obviously a failed rival for the leadership, another close close links to the deputy leader, Angela Rayner. We think there was an agreement between the three parties, uh, Keir Starmer, Lisa Nandy, and Rebecca Long-Bailey, that whoever wins the other two would get some sort of role in their cabinet, so we're just waiting to see what Rebecca Long-Bailey gets in the Keir Starmer shadow cabinet. Um, It's not implausible that she'll stay where she is, possibly even get get shuffled around to a, a department on the same level. Um, it's unlikely, I think, to see major promotions for Rebecca Long-Bailey. Again, she's representing very much the the Corbyn image, which is something that Labour perhaps now feels it needs to steer away from, especially now Keir Starmer has been elected rather than Rebecca Long-Bailey. Um, that is... Pretty much it so far. No real new announcements. I'm just going to do another double check to make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, it is a step away from Corbyn. Very much uh, a step away from Corbyn. We have had some of those key allies losing their um, losing their shadow cabinet posts, uh, and now some no- uh, some key allies of, uh, well, of Keir Starmer, becoming um, newly promoted. Um, The one person so far to hold on to their job, uh, who I had missed out, it's a good job I checked, Um, John Ashworth, uh, the Shadow Health Secretary, he came out with a a comment that was recorded off a phone conversation between him and a now former, he says, friend, during the election um, that said... That said, uh, what is now seen as quite prophetic, that Labour was heading for uh, essentially a thumping in the election. Um, and a lot of people said, well, no, that can't be coming out of Labour's shadow health secretary. No, of course it can't. It damages the campaign. Uh, but he was proved to be right, of course. Uh, and I think this continuity in this time is unsurprising that John Ashworth keeps his job at the health department or the shadow health department. Um People need continuity, and if he is still up there talking about the National Health service, um just as Matt Hancock is still up there, he was health secretary before the crisis, he will be health secretary after the crisis um John Asworth keeps his job. We will now have to wait really until Monday uh, until we see some of the other appointments, the more junior appointments to the shadow cabinet, but for now. That is all the time we have on the Politics Unboxed podcast. I'd like to thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope to see you around again soon for the next one. We will keep following this Labour team and their opposition work and, of course, the government all the way up to the 2024 general election um, and all the bumps in the road in between. But thank you for listening. See you around for the next one and goodbye. So... Looking at the shadow cabinet, obviously we saw the top team yesterday. We saw that Sakir Starmer, the new leader of the opposition, had appointed Lisa Nandy as his shadow foreign secretary. Uh, he appointed Annelise Dodds as a shadow chancellor, actually the first female shadow chancellor in the history of the United Kingdom. Uh, so an interesting first there. And Nick Thomas-Simmons as a new shadow home secretary with Angela Rayner, the deputy leader becoming chair of the Labour Party uh, with Rachel Reeves uh, getting the job of shadowing Michael Gove at the shadow chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster and also shadow minister for the cabinet office and then we saw um, Jonathan Ashworth keeping his post as shadow health secretary in that uh, element of continuity amongst this time of crisis obviously engulfing the health department Uh, It's often good to have a familiar face shadowing the minister um, today was the opportunity to get out some of the more junior appointments, and uh, we'll start with uh, well, Rebecca Long Bailey. Uh, Rebecca Long Bailey, who was the second place candidate for the leadership of the party, um, we had assumed she would be getting a role. There was a um, much publicised agreement between Lisa Nandy, Rebecca Long Bailey, and Sakir Starmer, saying that whoever won. The uh, whoever won the election would put both of the others in the Shadow Cabinet and it seems that agreement has been followed through with Rebecca Long-Bailey moving from the Shadow Business Department to the Shadow Education Department. She will now be Shadow Education Secretary. Um, it's a good move for Sakir Starmer. It's keeping her supporters within the ranks. Uh, if she's at the top of the leadership team then she can be used uh, as this sort of political force to try and uh, keep the, the left very much into this uh, this new element of the party which could be moving the party further towards the centre of british politics we don't really know yet but it's always a good move to try and bring a party together after an election campaign obviously all these calls for unity and uh, they would have been a bit shallow had the candidates not been in each other's shadow cabinets um, As well as that, we have a surprise appointment. Uh, I don't think many people saw this one coming, but Ed Miliband, the former leader of the opposition, um, he led the Labour Party from 2010 to 2015, he has been put in to replace Rebecca Long-Bailey at the Shadow Business Department. So he will be Shadow Business Secretary. Um, Not a very well electorally favoured leader, um, Labour's seat total actually went backwards under his leadership after the 2015 election, uh, but generally considered to be uh, a nice enough person in British politics and uh, a very experienced politician. He's been around the top of the Labour Party for many, many years now, so it should be an asset to Keir's shadow cabinet. Um, Emily Thornberry, uh, another one of his well challenges for leadership, although she didn't actually make it onto the final ballot she was eliminated because she didn't get enough support from either affiliate groups or constituency Labour parties to make it onto the final public ballot Uh, she was of course shadow foreign secretary but now with her role being filled by Lisa Nandy she has been transferred to the shadow international trade secretary so another opportunity to put one of the should we say more experienced at the top table of uh, Labour uh, Labour administration, Emily Thornberry. She's been around the shadow cabinet for many years. Um, she will now be staying with Sakir Starmer at sort of the, the, the top team. Um, as well as that, we have some new faces onto the front bench. We have a new shadow justice secretary, so replacing um, replacing Richard Bergen, who ran unsuccessfully for the deputy leadership. We have David Lammy. Um, Often uh, a controversial MP within his own party. Plenty of members of Momentum less than happy with David Lammy over the past few years. But he has got the job. Um, He'll bring, well, uh, he is another experienced politician. He's been around uh, a while. He has been known for some bipartisanship in recent years. Um, often works quite closely with one nation conservatives so it could be an opportunity to bring across some people of that particular persuasion to the uh well to the labor party um as well as that the new shadow defense secretary is john healy um again he'll be shadowing ben wallace who is um well ben wallace the very very recently appointed defence secretary, um, so we'll have to wait and see just how John healy gets on. Um, well, gets on in his role. Uh, he has been a member of Parliament since 1997 and was previously in the shadow cabinet uh, under both Ed Miliband and uh, Jeremy Corbyn. So again another person who's been around at the top of the Labour Party for a fair while. Um, At the Department of Work and Pensions there's always something going on right now it seems uh, with the Labour Party wanting to attack the Department of Work and Pensions so uh, with that it is required to have a strong shadow DWP secretary and uh, Jonathan Reynolds has been appointed Um, has been appointed as the Shadow uh, Work and Pensions Secretary. Um, He has, again, he's been in Parliament since 2010, uh, and he has been a Shadow Energy Minister, he's been a Shadow Transport Minister, um, and he was recently the PPS, or the Principal Private Secretary, to the Leader of the Opposition, as well as being Shadow Economic Secretary, to the Treasury, so he's held a lot of fairly high up roles in the shadow cabinet uh, and in uh Labour's well in Labour's shadow team for a while now. This is a promotion for him to be made Shadow Department of Work and Pension Secretary. Uh but it is uh well it's probably quite a good move. He's been quite closely linked to uh Jeremy Corbyn to Richard Bergen and to um, John McDonnell, so it's an opportunity to bring some more of the the left wing of the party into the fold. Um, some other candidates who have now been well, who've now been given new jobs in Sir Keir Starmer's shadow cabinet. Uh, some candidates for the deputy leadership this time. Ian Murray, uh, Labour's only remaining Scottish member of Parliament, has been rather uninventively given the Shadow Scotland secretary post. Um, it would have been a bit of a surprise had he not been given that post, given that he ran a fairly strong campaign for the deputy leadership um, in terms of actually having uh, a decent amount of following. And as he is Scottish Labour's only member of Parliament, it would have been a little bit awkward for him, as he is an ally of Sir Keir Starmer, to have been left out of the Shadow Cabinet. Um, another deputy leadership candidate, Dr Racina Allen Khan. She has been made shadow minister for mental health, so bringing her medical experience to the shadow cabinet. Um, The shadow secretary of state for Northern Ireland has been given to Tony Lloyd. Now, Tony Lloyd will not be able to fulfil his duties as shadow secretary of state for Northern Ireland, mainly because he has been hospitalised um with the corona virus um he has been uh, a member of Parliament for the last few years member uh, been parliament for Rochdale and he has been well he has been in uh in various police forces uh, and also uh he served as shadow secretary of State for uh Northern Ireland under uh, jeremy. Corbyn, after Owen Smith left the Shadow Cabinet in 2018. He is not at his post right now, obviously because of his hospitalisation, but Louise Haig will be serving as interim Shadow Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. Um, The Shadow Leader of the House of Commons will remain, Valerie Vaz, uh, but Andy Macdonald has been moved from Transport to Shadow Employment Rights and Protections Secretary, which is a new role in this Shadow Cabinet. Um, Baroness Smith is keeping her post as Shadow Leader of the Lords, or the House of Lords, sorry, and the former Lord Chancellor from Tony Blair's administration, Lord Faulkner. Uh, Charles Faulkner is becoming the Shadow Attorney General. Um, other people who've kept their job, Lord McAvoy has remained Chief Whip. Uh, Kat Smith has stayed on as Shadow Minister for Young People and Voter Engagement um Luke Pollard has remained Shadow Environment Secretary uh, and there are some other movings uh, movers and shakers throughout the shadow cabinet and the shadow cabinet's team uh, Bridget Phillipson is the new Shadow Chief Secretary of the Treasury um shadowing Steve Barclay there um Steve Reed Shadow Communities and Local Government Secretary uh, Robert Jenrick's actually uh, been well he's been out and about in terms of getting some more media exposure so maybe Steve Reed will be Getting more from uh, from that point as well. Jim McMahon is the new Shadow Transport Secretary. Um, Tangham Debonair, the Shadow Housing Secretary. ker Gill becoming the Shadow International Development Secretary. Um, Marsha de Cordova is now the new Shadow Women and Equalities Secretary. And Nia Griffith has moved from the Defence Ministry or the Shadow Defence Ministry, sorry, to become the Shadow Wales Secretary. Uh, this new shadow cabinet, in terms of its composition, uh, now looks a lot more like Britain. Uh, there are 17 women, 15 men, and it has seven members from BAME backgrounds, or black, Asian, minority, ethnic. Um, it has been shown, or uh, described as Labour, sorry, as a gender-balanced cabinet, um, and Sakir Starmer has been quoted as being proud of his shadow cabinet, saying that it showcases the breadth, depth, and talents of the Labour Party. Uh, he also added, this is a new team that will be relentlessly focused on acting in the national interest to respond to the coronavirus pandemic and rebuilding Labour so that it can win the next election. Um, that is all of the news coming out of the Shadow Cabinet's events today. Uh, interestingly, no post so far. Uh, there could be some more announcements later in terms of very minor roles, but um so far, no post for Richard Bergen and no post for Dawn Butler. Um those are the the two deputy leadership candidates who uh well who haven't been given given a post in this new shadow cabinet, despite having roles in the previous shadow cabinet under Jeremy Corbyn. Um Richard Bergen, a very close ally of the Corbynite wing of a party, uh very linked are very closely linked with John McDonnell and people like that, so potentially um, that's moving them one step away from leadership. But then, of course, we set people like Rebecca Long, Bailey, and even Angela Rayner to an extent, uh, who are representing that momentum side. So, um, that is it. This shadow cabinet is looking... Um, it's got enough names in there and enough experience to be looking eminently electable. Uh, We will have to wait and see, obviously, if a week is a long time in politics. In fact, an hour is a long time in politics. Uh, But this shadow cabinet has got four years to turn this around. Uh, So we will just have to wait and see what they can do for the Labour Party. Uh, Obviously, their goal is to win the 2024 general election. It's going to be a tough task, uh, obviously, unless there are some extenuating circumstances which make it a heck of a lot easier. To overturn an 80-odd seat majority is a tough task, um, but this is a team that seems to have a lot of the qualities able uh, to make them able to fulfil that task. Obviously, it will depend on how well uh, Momentum take this announcement. They have been very influential in the Labour Party for the last five years. A lot of people within that party hoping their Momentum uh, or their... Oh, that's a, that's a not Bit of an ironic phrase there. But hoping that their influence is going to be waning. Um, I personally doubt that. I think momentum are probably here for the long haul. They have a very engaged voter base. They have a very engaged member base even. Um, they will probably have some sort of influence on how well Labour can act over the next few years. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Zakir Starmer actually deals with, uh, deals with that group of the party. Whether he tries to involve them very closely in policy whether he tries to distance himself from them Two avenues that could be taken you could see it uh, like the 1983 to 1997 period in the Labour Party where you have the militant wing which Michael Foote uh, was seen to be uh, part of or anyway embracing uh, in terms of its socialism and its actions and you had a succession of leaders Neil Kinnock John Smith, Tony Blair, who distanced themselves from that wing and eventually uh, Labour won their first election in 18 years. Um, Labour will be hoping it isn't 18 years out of office this time around because that would mean uh, they will lose in 2024 and only win in 2028. Uh, but this shadow cabinet team now looks like it. It has been set in a particular direction and that direction seems to be towards the center back towards the not necessarily as far as new labor um, in terms of how far they went towards becoming a catch-all party in the center even some would argue and some would make a very convincing claim that they sat more on the center right of british politics than the center left uh, But this cabinet or the shadow cabinet certainly taking Labour away from its sharp turn to the left that it did make over the last four to five years with jeremy corbyn right then that is all the time we have for today on the politics unbox podcast thank you very much for listening i um, hope to see you all around again soon for the next one and goodbye <music>